yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a beatboxing to you, right? That's right. That's correct. All right. So how long have you been a beatboxer? Can you beatbox? No, no I'm okay. Canadian. I cannot beatbox. I mean, the biggest rapper in the world is from Canada. I suppose. I still have yet to hear a Drake song. Yeah. You know, I miss Snow also. Yeah. There is Snow. Yeah. What a There's also names. Tom Green. Sure. Oh, he's, yeah, he, he started that, off the, as a... That bum. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Check the OR. You like it so far? <laughs> Classic. He won, like, a Canadian version of a Grammy for that. He won a Juno Award. Yeah, the for Juno. His, hey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. Look I've, at this guy. I've watched some much music in my day. Wow, yeah. wow. Where'd you, where'd you yeah. grow up, then? California. No, I just... <laughs> just by reputation. Yeah, no, wow. I, I've never actually watched much music The only before. Americans I know that would catch any of those references, like, lived on the border. Oh. And so yeah. they would get, like, TV I pay attention us. to things. Wow! Yeah, Juno. awesome Canadian music, medic. amazing. So it's it's a big week for you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's weird. You're you're at you're at the show. You're wearing a felt crown. Yeah. Somebody sort of bestowed upon a you. A fan, yeah. She kind of threatened uh, to make one and bring it to me, and uh, she yeah. followed through on that threat. Now I'm wearing it for the rest of the show, sleeping in it tonight. Give me a little bit of, of your background with the with the Jughead book. How did this all come about? Uh, well, I mean, my personal background is is the first comic I remember reading. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you're kind of the same. Like, Archie's yeah, yeah, kind of sure. always been there. It's hard to sure. picture the first Archie you've read. Um, and so he was also the first character I emulated. Is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, do you remember uh, Burger King used to have Burger Buddies? Yeah. The burger Buddies were just like the three really tiny hamburgers. It's kind of precursor okay. to sliders. Sure. I would, when I go with my parents, I'd buy three of those. So I could stack them like a Jughead stack because yep. there's always that Jughead stack of burgers. Yep. And I would eat them as if I was Jughead with him in mind. It's interesting because Archie is the one you're supposed to relate to. I guess so. But, I mean, who's really relating to the one yeah. guy who's being fought over by two beautiful women? Well, the one you would like to emulate perhaps yeah, is a better suppose, way of putting yeah. it. Yeah, um, I always dug Jughead. And, like, even in art school, we had this one project where we had to take a two-dimensional famous work of art and uh, recreated in three dimensions. So like Guernica, but like a wireframe or yeah. Mona Lisa, sure. just like sculpted. So I came into class the day it was due and I had built a comic panel around my head with the word balloon inside of it. And I had the Jughead hat and I had just the top of the <laughs> turtleneck. So I was a three-dimensional yep. Jughead panel and uh, I got a C minus. What, what, I, I spoke to uh, at, at San Diego. I spoke to, to Mark about the, the, the you know the I guess the what flagship tentpole, yeah, the yeah. tentpole Archie book, um, and what he said that it was really interesting. I never really thought about before is this idea that um, you know Archie Ar Archie being kind of the, uh, the 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 kind of the center of the wheel, yeah, who, sort of a character who's kind of defined by all the other characters around him. I mean, in a way, yeah. Archie's kind of a cipher, right? Yeah, I and mean, I, I can see that Mark's trying to bring out like kind of other quirks to him like yeah. he's really ramping up his like clumsiness as like a characteristic to Archie you know um, it's funny I was talking to somebody about this earlier today in which I kind of realized that like all the Jughead characters are their own archetypes hmm. like now yeah. if you said a thing in a high school you'd be like okay so this guy's kind of like a Jughead character sure. she's kind of like a Betty and that's yeah. a Veronica yeah like it kind of started with these characters um, well, I assume it spoke to something that was there already, but oh, it's yeah, for sure. sort but of like, a language that we can use. Exactly, but a character like Jughead, just yeah. kind of like the outsider who's kind of apathetic and doesn't live up to his potential. Yeah. Um, that's always been the case in school. Like, 
that was me in school. That was like my friends in school. Like he is the one that people should relate to more, I think, than Spe Archie. Sp speaking of three dimensions, I mean, was was he? Do you feel like he was a, a three dimensional character? I mean, I you know again my familiarity with Archie goes back, but it was always kind of like surface level, right? I mean, he was just kind of a clown, and yeah. and everybody was this character. And that's kind of the nature of the books. Yeah. You know, they, they did some interesting things within the confines of, like, the three, five-page story, kind of slapsticky stuff and, uh, uh, you know, just kind of generally fun comics for kids. Yeah. But there wasn't a lot of deeper stuff happening there. You could, like, look at it over the decades and kind of pull things out, like, oh, this probably means this, and, you know, that probably means that Jughead is unhappy deep down or something like that. Sure. But I don't think they really got into it too much in the book. Mark and Fiona are, are probably doing a bit more of that. Um, we're not as much with Jughead. I think we're kind of keeping a bit more to the style of uh, comedy. Yeah, more comedy than interpersonal dynamics. Well, that, I mean, that's that. You know, that's that's sort of the worry there. Is you know, as as so much of the comics industry, you go around here. There's all these like super creepy jokers, really bloody, violent people. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, most of comics has kind of gotten away from being all ages, being being kid friendly. And that yeah. was my that was definitely my concern when I heard that there was gonna be this this big big rebranding was that yeah. like it was gonna get maybe a little too adult and then no. you would lose the main purpose of Archie, which is being an you know, comic for everybody. Well especially when they announced that the artist from Sex Criminals is yeah. going to be writing it. Sure. Like I'm sure a lot of people are like, oh yeah. here's the end of that yeah. franchise. Um, but I'm a firm believer in like all ages comics. Yeah. Like one of my favorite books that I got to do years ago was a self-publishing called Monster Cops. And it was a direct result of the fact that I was doing adult stuff and I felt bad I couldn't give it to kids. Yeah. Like I'm like, I wanted something for everyone. Um, and this is the case with Jughead. Like I've kind of got a weird spectrum now. I've got like sex criminals on the far end, uh -huh. then Captara a bit yeah. to the left of it or whatever. And then Howard the Duck and now Jughead. Yeah. Like they're all on the spectrum of like age groups, really. And I like that fact. I like the fact that Jughead, you can, anyone can pick it up and enjoy it, is, I think. Is it is it harder writing comedy for kids or for grown-ups? Yeah, it's interesting. Because, um, I mean, obviously there are certain topics you can't hit for kids, but. Yeah. I don't think any, either is like easier or harder. Yeah. I think it's harder with the, um, with the adult stuff because you don't have restrictions if that makes sense like you can yeah, go crazy sure. places all the characters can get a shock value chuckle yeah. from a fun swear word yeah. which doesn't feel like a real sure. you know meaty joke a there a genuine but a, it's easy, a earned joke it's easy to fall back on it yeah. you know yeah uh and you you rely less on shock value with yeah. like an all ages thing which makes it a bit trickier yeah, they, they both have kind of like their their easy and hard bits about you've them. You've got to sort of step outside of your however old you are body for a little while and try yeah. to figure out what's what's funny to a kid. Yeah. Has yeah. that changed? Has that changed since you were a kid? I don't think so. I think, I mean, uh, our comics are a bit more verbose than the, yeah. uh, the old ones. So there's a bit more for readers to grab onto. Um, but I think, like, the kids that I've seen since the book came out, it's only been a few days, but kids coming up at signings are just like, they read it and they love it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They don't get the Game of Thrones references sure. in the fantasy sequence, but they get the joke of the fantasy sequence. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I always liken it to, um, like when Sesame Street does something like, 
a Mad Men parody called Ad Men, sure. where they add up numbers. Sure. Parents are watching and they're just like, oh, that's so funny because that's this character and that character. And kids are just watching and they're like, oh, that's so funny that businessman yeah. can't add numbers. So that old, I mean, that that is a difficult part. It's not it's not writing for kids or writing for adults. It's writing for everybody. Yeah, yeah. It's like the Pixar thing, yeah. right? Like you, mom and dad will take the kids to the Pixar movie because they'll genuinely enjoy the Pixar movie. Yeah. You know? And the kids will get it too. Like Simpsons was kind of that as well. Sure. You know, the kids would watch it and they love the Bart falling over or whatever, or Homer chasing him around, and the adults would get the more sophisticated stuff. And as long as you have a good balance and yeah. one's not relying too heavily on references that people aren't getting, then I think you can pull it off. How long do you think you could keep up Jughead for? I mean, do you have do you have sort of like a game plan at this point? I've got point? the first arc figured yeah. out. Like Eric and I have kind of planned out the first six issues, and beyond that, I got to start talking to her and see what she wants to do yeah. next. But like, it's but it's something you'd like to keep doing for the yeah. future. Right now, the problem is time. Yeah. I'm writing three books. Yeah. And I'm doing all the art and lettering and design and coloring on sex criminals. Yeah. Which is not the smartest move. Sure. And my girlfriend is not happy with yeah. me. It must be a relief to kind of let somebody else do some of the heavy lifting on a book like this. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, writing for someone to draw yeah. makes you feel like a god. Yeah. Like, I can write a scene that says, like, a dozen people walk down the street, and I don't have to draw it. <laughs> it takes me two seconds to write that. But you've got, you know, you've got enough empathy there that oh, yeah. you're not going to give her, like, too much work for the sake of giving her work. I, I think if you did, like, a, a kind of a find, uh, find word on our documents of the scripts, uh, the word sorry probably comes up at least 12 times. Well, you're Canadian. I, that's true. I am Canadian. But I know because, like, Matt puts me through it, too. And yeah. he's just like, he sets so many scenes in classrooms and lecture yeah. halls. I'm just yeah. like, oh, you're killing me. What, 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 did, what did you feel the worst about of all of the book, the scenes so far in the books? Well, it's tricky because it is, it's a high school. Yeah. And in this whole sure. arc is set in a high school. Yeah. So I know a classroom's a killer. I know you walk in there and you get those chairs, the desks that come. Hook into if the we chairs. see if we see like in a future miniseries where Jughead is homeschooled, <laughs> yeah, we'll exactly. Well, that's kind of part of why I'm putting in the fantasy stuff because um, yeah. that way break. she can yeah, yeah she can kind of like try different things and have some fun and break it up a bit because I understand it's monotonous for a reader to see yeah. the same scene and it's monotonous for the artist to draw it. Do you do, as somebody who who writes and draws a lot of funny books? I mean, do do you feel yourself? writing around jokes, you know, or do, do jokes really further the plot at all, or they just kind of happen organically? Um, it's like half and half. Sometimes yeah. I'll think of the scenario of a book, and like three or four jokes will kind of pop in my yeah. head, like, and I'll I'll try and force them in if I can, but yeah. organic's better. I've learned that. Like, well, you've got, I mean, you know, you've got to edit, you've got to, you've got to get good at killing jokes, right, ultimately. Yeah, oh, yeah. Some yeah. of them just won't the, make it in. My, my job, because I was like 13, 14 years at a newspaper, yeah. and that taught me how to, like, edit stuff down, throw stuff out, because, you know, they give you, like, you'll have, like, 2,000 words space that at, like, 6 o'clock, it'll get chopped down to, like, 500 yeah. words. And you've got to, like... You got an hour sure. to get those jokes tighter and better. But a really good joke you'll fight for. <laughs> um, yeah, there'll be a, there'll be yeah. there'll be fights. But like when I first started doing it, I'd write these long jokes, and I had one editor's like, you know, this is a newspaper, right? Yeah. You got to get to the yeah. joke. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's but like, training. but my prose, it's so beautiful. Yeah. People need to hear it. He's like, no, they don't. Yeah. Read this joke again. It's better. That's interesting because you know you've got you've, you've also got this the constraints of working for an all age all age audience, and then I think probably ultimately the, the biggest constraint. Although, you know, you get to take a little bit of liberty there are the fact that you're working with these characters who've been around for, what, like 50-plus yeah. years at yeah. this point. Yeah. It's weird because, like, 
A lot of people ask me if that's daunting. Just the laughing, there are jugheads walking yeah, yeah, by. Yeah, there's jugheads. There's always a jughead. Um, yeah, a lot of people ask if like working on a character like Jughead yeah. is daunting because of the long history, but it's actually more freeing than yeah. Howard. Yeah. Because so many people have worked on it for so long, like I'm not going to be the one to fuck it up. It'll go on without me after this, you know. We'll see. It's like it's more like joining yeah. a family. The RC stuff is like, oh, I didn't know you're part of this insanely yeah. large family yeah. that's worked on this book forever. Are you are, are you working in tandem with uh, Fiona and, and Mark on that book? I mean, is everyone kind of collaborating? Or? A little bit. If I have a question, I'll email Mark and like. As far as like can it or what's going on in that story? Yeah, yeah. It's a little tricky because we they've set up the world for us, which is great because yeah. it came up before us. Yeah. But they haven't been out long enough to really set it all up. So the tone of our books is a little different, kind of as a result of that yeah. as well. It's probably for the best, ultimately, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't think I change anything in it, yeah. but um, yeah, they're they're doing the heavy lifting for sure. Like I found out Jughead's origin by reading the script to Archie number two. You know, because I was like, oh, how am I going to work all this stuff in? Yeah. Then I read the script, I'm like, oh, I'm fine. I've been writing. Yeah, there's a, there's a there's a, a real origin story in the book. Yeah, Archie number two has like a Jughead origin story. Okay. Yeah, huh. yeah. I've got to ask you, I see Alex checking his watch, i got to ask you. He's always checking his watch, it doesn't what, matter. What, what the hell happened with the... What, what happened? That was, a, that was a Canadian reference. Yeah. Got my head crushed. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, what happened with the Harveys? What, what, I, I was there, you, you won the award, you didn't accept the award, now yeah. you don't have the award. Well, when I was nominated for the award, it just listed, you know, it was like... Uh, it was the Humor Award, yeah. and it was for Chip Zdarsky for Sex Criminals. Which, first of all, is weird, because usually it's the reverse. Usually yeah, the yeah, writer yeah. gets all the, the credit. Gets all the credit, sure. Um, and because that always happens, yeah. I'm just like, well, I can't, in good conscience, accept it, because it rarely happens to artists. Yeah. So I contacted the Harveys, and I was like, look, uh, one of two things has to happen here. Either you add Matt's name to it. Which seems easy enough. Yeah, I that was a bit more of the dodgy one, because... Yeah people didn't nominate them, right? Yeah. Because it's such a binary thing. Like, they were like, you can put one name in here. All of those people who voted on the book were like, yeah, but except for that old man. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand how that went down. And the second option was to remove me from it. Yeah. Uh, which is, I figured, okay, that's the one they're going to choose. Um, and then they wrote back and they were just like, well, we can't add Matt because he wasn't nominated. Uh, and we can't remove you because that would be disrespectful to the people who voted for you. Um, you can always, when you accept the award, thank your creative collaborators. This that's conversation what people have was happening done in the past. prior to the actual ceremony? Yeah, yeah, this is like yeah. after I was nominated. Oh. And they suggested, people, people in the past have done that. They just thanked all their collaborators as they accept. I was like, well, why put them in a position to do that? Yeah. So I told them, I'm like, look, you have to remove me. Um, and also, I'm telling you right now, you should change this category next year so it's humor publication. Yeah. That way everyone gets acknowledged. Yeah. Like I think Ryan North won it last year for Adventure Time. Yeah. He didn't even realize until I told him a year later that his collaborators didn't get the award. He thought he was accepting for everyone. Yeah. And that they had awards at their houses. Yeah. Um, so I told him that and they didn't respond to me and I poked him again and they didn't respond to me. So I'm like, oh, okay, clearly this is what's happening. I'll give my friend an acceptance speech yeah. denying it. And he didn't get to go up, so I had to like put a blog post. I'm like, well, here we go. It's uncomfortable because yeah. like I'm genuinely honored to win the sure. award, but at the same time, it's like hypocritical for me to like complain about 
lack of credit for artists yeah. when I'm in a position where the writer is getting a lack of credit there. Sister Chiquis, you're one, you're one, you're one, not rare, but uh, relatively in the minority of artists, writers who have been on kind of both sides of the fences for that situation. Yeah, but also keep in mind, like, this is for last year, yeah. in which I had only done Sex Criminals. So it wasn't like they're even rewarding me for writing. Yeah. Like, oh, it's just give him a reward because like he does all these things. Yeah. Like, it was just sex criminals. And so the one thing I pointed out to the Harvey people was, if the nomination came in and it said Chips Darsky for Batman, you would strike it. You would pull it because it's erroneous. When it says Chips Darsky humor for sex criminals, yeah. that's also erroneous because Matt has contributed 80% yeah. to 90% of the humor of the book. Yeah. It makes no sense because nobody can tell who did what. Like you look at the background jokes, no one knows what's mine and what's Matt's. Yeah. So how could anyone make that call? And they did not accept that as a uh, reasoning. That's interesting. So, so most of the jokes were coming from, well, I mean, obviously that makes sense. Yeah, the script the is writer. Matt's. Like, yeah. yeah, and I follow his script. Like, I don't, like, deviate yeah. and go, oh, maybe this page, I'll do this, and I'll write this. Like, I'll make suggestions for dialogue changes if I see a good joke, and I'll fill the background with jokes. Have you, have you done any, um, uh, like, television movie writing? Um, no. I don't think I have. <laughs> I, it, just, I, it seems like it would, you know... It seems like it would make sense. It seems I, like a thing you could do well. I had a weird thing that happened a few years ago. I, I wrote a, uh, uh, a thing I posted online. It was like a one-page, uh, like a like it was an excerpt from my romantic novel, A Petals Falls Twice. Uh-huh. Just a page of nonsense. Yep. yep. And it took off. Like it made its way around, became a little mini viral thing. And I got contacted by a production company in LA and also the head of Fox Animation. Uh, saying that they loved it and they passed it around and then they found out I could draw and I should come in and like pitch for an animated series. Great. So I ended up on this weird journey where I ended up having a meeting at Fox pitching all my stories and like none of them got accepted because they weren't like family guy and then uh, I turned one of them into Captara. So I was like it worked out well but like that was my only kind of like brief like TV maybe. Are are you the kind of person that needs to be doing like five or six different projects at the same time just to keep Um, sane or or just to keep the rent coming in? If I was smart, I would just do sex criminals Yeah. because that takes up all my time technically. And the more issues we put out of that, the better off I am financially. Like, it's a weird thing to say that working for Marvel and for Archie is a bit of a... uh, Loss leader? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I get paid and I get paid yeah, relatively well for doing these jobs. But in terms of, like, in terms your, of like your hours spent. Yeah, yeah. Like, if I spent... Yeah. If I drew two pages of Sex Criminals, that equals a, my paycheck for a script for Howard. Yeah. So it makes more sense for me to spend two, three days working on the Sex Criminals pages sure. than it would for me to do a week yeah. working on a, a script. But, but it's so much Archie fun. approached you. Yeah. Well, yeah, I approached them to do a cover. Because when they announced the reboot of Archie, yeah. I was like, I just want to be a part of it. So I'm like, yeah. can I do one of the variants? And Alex was smart, and he was like, yes, but also maybe Jughead, and started the whole yeah. process there. Did you, you just assume that he was a Jughead guy, Alex? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just I a just Jughead guy. Like, I'm sorry, to, I don't mean to put no, it. No. It just seemed like a perfect mix. Yeah. So and when he emailed me about the cover, I was like, yeah, Chip, Jughead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's so crazy. It started yeah. like a bunch of conversations with Mike where he just talked about Jughead, like, what are your feelings of the character? Where do you see the character going? And so, so you, so you, you, you're, you're, you're writing your iconic 
original yeah. influential character. I mean, yeah. where are there anything? Is there anything left on? Is the there table? any other mountain for me yeah, to exactly. climb? Yeah. <laughs> what is before you uh, before you pass from this mortal coil? Oh yeah, no, I, I actually I have been thinking about that recently, because there's a certain amount of like sadness that comes from this. Yeah, from having achieved your life's goal. A little bit. <laughs> I know it's like a weird like yeah. kind of first world problem kind of thing to yeah. say, but like I've never had to plan a career yeah. because I worked in newspapers, I did comics on the side, I just had fun, and then one day I realized now I have to turn down work and choose what I'm going to do yeah. and craft a career and what's the next step. So I'm always thinking, well, what's the next step? Yeah. But now it feels like there's no other step. Like, work on sex criminals, do Jughead, do Hauer, Captara. Like, that's yeah. fun. They're all fun in different ways. Die. Die. Yeah, so I now lay awake at night saying, well, that's it. Yeah. I'm done. I'm done. Oh, my God, I'm done. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> when, I don't know. How, how, how early was the... the career path or how how early was it clear that you wanted to be a cartoonist I mean you were going to school dressed as Jughead I assume that yeah you connected the dots pretty quickly I always liked it but the illustration school I went to uh, forbade comics they were like we, you are an illustrator like yeah. in the submissions policies they're just like do not submit comic pages or barbarians or anything sci-fi we will not look at your work as it kind of beat it out of me over the course of school and I became an illustrator and a writer and on the side, I do a little comic strip now yeah. and then. Yeah. So it was never, never a career choice. It was never a thing where I was like, this is my goal. Sure. But it was, always, it was always just kind of there. You're working on writing. You're working on illustrating. Seems like yeah, and for those the, two are going to intersect And it was mostly point. for the newspaper, the National Post. And eventually, I kind of married those at the paper. Yeah. I would do, like, cartoon reporting where I would go to an event and I come back and I do a cartoon, yeah. a comic about it. Um, which is which I felt was like going to be my career. Like that was kind of my career. I, I, I wrote an, an illustrated advice column for them. I did these kind of illustrations and then kind of cartoon reporting, yeah. and that was yeah. very satisfying. Like I missed that job a lot, yeah. especially during Canadian election season. Um, but yeah, so it's just like everything's whirlwind. I never would have dreamed I'd be doing Jughead or Howard the Duck, yeah. and yeah, and now I just die. And now I just die. <laughs> There you go, that's Chip Zdarsky. Uh, thank you so much, Chip, for taking the time to do that. Thanks to Alex at Archie for helping set that up. Um, insofar as one can actually set up an interview with Chip. Uh, so so this happened a few months back uh, at New York Comic Con. So I was running around from interview to interview and, and saw the Archie booth, wanted to stop by and, and say hi to uh, to Alex, who does uh, media relations over there. I mentioned the fact that we had just run a review of the, the new Jughead book that uh, Chip Zdarsky was, was writing. Um, and uh, Chip was, lo and behold, was standing right there and it felt crown signing copies of it and, and very kindly took uh, So, no, it's great that, uh, uh, yeah, Ruby Baker done this graphic novel. I can't remember, Low Life or uh, I can't remember the name of it. I'll have to look it up. But I had I ran across it on my shelf from like, because when yeah. I was a top shelf, you get all the comps. Yeah. I just took one of everything and read it, you know, yeah. and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. You forget where people come from sometimes because you you're working the industry long enough you know you end up who knows what your career is going to be like and what the path is and so I ran across that and I'm like oh yeah that's I remember yeah. that book like I remember reading it I'm like oh and, and it's completely crazy to see that career and where he started but then so many people started at Top Shelf or, or yeah. you know Slave Labor or different places like that and 
don't know. It's kind of nice. Yeah, you, you sort you sort of wonder, and uh, you know, you wonder like, surely there are some people out there who start in indie comics because they want to, you know, eventually write for the big books. I yeah. mean, I, I think what's nice about Top Shelf, what you know about what you've done, what 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 Jeff has done, and what some of the other, um, you know, Jeffrey Brown, and he's like doing all like this the, the Star Wars stuff now. But yeah, um, I mean, it's it's clear that you know it's it's people who enjoy both things equally you know, yeah. and aren't yeah, putting yeah. one over the other and weren't just you know that, that you weren't just using indie publishing as a stepping stone yeah yeah no I mean and if, if anything it's a credit to Chris Staros and Brett Warnock yeah. as like kind of tastemakers of like they weren't publishing stuff they thought was going to make a ton of money they were publishing yeah. things that they thought were good or things they enjoyed or things yeah. that they saw something in you know and and like having that, having that eye or whatever to pick stuff like that, and to pick creators and 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 people that loved comics, you know, like that's yeah. a unique thing, you know. And so like I, I don't think it's a surprise that all those people came out of there, and and like even Rob Venditti or what, he was like yeah, packing yeah. books packing for like Top boxes, Shelf, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like even even there, it was like, and then and they believed in him, and they published his the yeah. uh, surrogates, you yeah, know. Yeah. And and it was like. Turned into a yeah, so it's like all yeah. so many good people, and I don't mean good people, and like they're good at what they do, and like good people came yeah. out of there, you know, and and I don't think that's a, I don't think that's an accident, you yeah. know, that they they put all that together. So if, anyway. if there's if there's a through line between what you're doing here and what you're, you know, the, the super spy stuff, it's it's, I think it's the genre. It's just the fascination with with genre fiction. Yeah, 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 and that's the thing is when I started at Top Shelf. They weren't doing a lot. They were doing a lot of things. They weren't doing a lot of genre stuff, you yeah. know. And I came to them with like a weird crime book, because I've always been attracted to genre. I grew up with superhero comics yeah. and science fiction, and and reading pulp like Doc Savage and everything. Like I read, that's the stuff I loved, you know. And you get older, and then you start reading like real literature and stuff, and yeah. I enjoy that also. But I I never got over like I want the, the pulp coding to something, you know. Like I I one of my favorite authors is Nabokov. Yeah, and I hate saying that because people's uh, view of him, if you haven't read him, is like, oh, he's like some literary guy. You can't, yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm like, man, he's super pulpy. Like Lolita yeah. is like a super pulp novel or whatever. Sure. And then, and then seeing that, I'm like, oh, there's a way to do like pulp stuff yeah. and things that are that have that genre to it, but they're also about something more. Or there's more to it, you know. It's not just like dudes punching each other or trying to bank heists. Yeah, a bank. You know, it's, there's, there can be something more to it. What's the book you've been able to just entertain all these different fascinations that you've had? You know, you, you did you did the, the noir book with Top Shelf, and now you're doing the sci-fi stuff. Yeah. I guess that's kind of a nice thing about comics. That's that's, that's sort of what comics. It really is the beauty of comics. Like if you look at like if you're a crime writer, yeah. fiction crime writer, prose, like you're pretty much that's all you're going to be writing. You know, if you're a hit, it's all you're writing. But and you, it's hard to jump from one yeah. thing to another. And I know like Philip K. Dick's one of my favorite authors. Science, he got pigeonholed as science fiction and he hated it. He wanted to write like serious literature, you know, without all the sci-fi yeah. stuff and everything and he couldn't he couldn't get out of it, you know. The beauty of comics is you can you can write superheroes, you can write crime, you can write yeah. I could do an autobiographical comic if I wanted to and then I I would probably lose half the audience, but it's I could still do it, you know. And uh but you could just do anything and there's not as much of a divide between genres in comics as there is in I think other media. You don't worry about people not taking you seriously enough. No, I don't care about that. I, I honestly, I like I'm making comics that I would love to read, you know. Yeah. And and the, and the catch twenty two is like as a creator, you can't really read comics in the same way or enjoy them like like you would when you were younger or when you were a kid or when yeah. you're not doing it. You know, you pick everything apart. So 
I'm basically just trying to make comics that I think I would like. You know, it's like I think I'd like a comic that has this in it. You know, yeah. I love comics that have hidden messages. So it's uh, you know, I'll put this, anything that's in a comic. It's because I think that I would like it. <laughs> and uh, and I don't really worry about anything else. I think if it's fun, people will like it. Yeah. You know, if it's not fun, and you're not, if I'm not having a good time, people are gonna sense that I'm not having a good time, and they won't like it. So. Are, are, are you thinking about, you know, this is, this is certainly something that I, I think about, and this is like how I um, gauge my success in life a lot of times, is I, I think about like what 14-year-old me, whether 14-year-old me would be excited about, about you know, about what I'm doing. And I, and I think like by that metric, I think yeah. I've done pretty all right with, with my life. Is that, you know, are, are you thinking about, when, when you say you're kind of writing for yourself, or are you thinking about... You, yourself as a comics reader during those formative years, you know, in, in that sort of that initial discovery of, you know, of like Kirby or all these other people, are, are are you writing for somebody who's just kind of getting into comics, like the exciting new world of comics? Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I'm not, I, I'm not really writing for somebody that's just getting into comics. <laughs> I have to say that I've I've realized that I'm not doing that, you know, and it's that's kind of a bummer. But I am writing. Uh, the things I do keep in the back of my mind are, is am I having fun doing it, you yeah. know? And, and I'm, I'm not trying to, I don't want to do something that's sort of calculated, like, oh, this will be a good, people that like this are gonna, they'll enjoy it if I do this. I just, I've sort of always just sort of followed what I've been interested yeah. in, you know? Like I, my management was something that came about because I just, I've been a fan of conspiracy theories my whole life, you know? And the idea of like doing something that could be globe spanning and t span all of time, you know, is always something I wanted to do. and. And uh, and it's just arbitrary. The next thing I'm doing with Dark Horse is like a underwater adventure because I've always wanted to do stuff with submarines and underwater yeah. bases and and like uh, that kind of thing, you know. And and uh, the the fun thing with doing Valiant stuff and Rye was like I'd never done hard sci-fi before. And I've always wanted to. Like I love Arthur C. Clarke and mm -hmm. and I read Highland growing up. Like I read everything and always loved Phil K. Dick. It was less hard sci-fi, but I've, yeah. I've always wanted to do something more like Arthur C. Clarke, Arthur C. Clarke, or um, who's the other guy, Asimov. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, something in that vein. Sure. So getting my hands on Rye, I was like, oh, it's like, man, I had all these pent-up ideas. Yeah. With nowhere to go, like they didn't fit anything I'd done up until that point. So having that as an outlet or whatever was kind of great, and it's a way to like get it out of me, and all at the same time playing in the world that I've always sort of imagined and in a. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what the question was or what we were talking about at this point. <laughs> are, are, are you able, I mean, are, are you at a point right now where, you know, you're, you're able to, to pitch an idea and see it to fruition? I mean, how, you know, is, how, how closely are you working with the publishers as far as, like, what the final book is going to be? Are they, are they just your, are they your ideas? Yeah, pretty much, you know. I feel like I've gotten to the, Yeah. I, I don't know how, I don't know what... <laughs> I don't know if I could have planned it any better. Yeah. I will say that. And, uh, and let me jump back and say that I used to teach a comic book class to college kids, you know. And the thing I would tell them is, like, don't, the thing you're going to do, the book you're going to do right out of here and the books you're going to do at the beginning when yeah. no one knows yeah. who you are and you're trying to get in, do the book that you, that you would want to do, mm -hmm. like the thing that you would like to do most. Because the problem with breaking in and, like, getting known and, like, getting more work is that people are going to want you to do the thing you do. Same thing over, yeah. So if you, you better like that first thing. Yeah. Because if you become famous for that or known for that thing, that's all anybody's gonna want, you know. But you it's haven't really had that problem, have you? Yeah, never. I, <laughs> that's what's, but I, I think I would have, like, if I had, yeah. if I had been, oh, okay. like, I didn't really want to do superheroes because I'm like, there's plenty of superhero books. I don't want to do that, and yeah. so um, 
I never got asked to do superhero books, you know, which is fine with me. I was doing crime books and, and doing like my quirky own thing. And, but I never really had a top shelf was a great publisher and then I got to do whatever I wanted to do, write my own book, yeah. present it to them. Here it is. And then they would have a few, like, what about this? Maybe this, but very little, very little input back to me. You know, it was, it was a really great place to sort of grow up, figure out what I'm doing, you know, and then, and then stepping over to dark horses, I'd been accustomed to that. I'd proven that I've, what I could do and how I do it and what I do, that they were the same way. And so I've almost felt that way my whole career is I don't need a lot of help. I don't need a lot of input and everything. And, and here's the ideas and, and, and so just, it's been great. Like I honestly couldn't have created a better path to do things. And even with Valiant, which is technically it's work for hire, but I I, honestly, my mind, there's no difference between that and when I'm writing my management or anything else that's creator owned. It's, it's like, oh, I got get a great idea, and I send them my outline. And they're like, oh yeah, that's great. Or like, every once in a while, there's like, this doesn't work because this guy died over here or something. Sure. I'm like, oh okay. It's like but helpful like, feedback. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. all. It's nothing to, to do yeah. with like, mm, we don't like the direction, and we don't. They, it's they, they give me room to play and let me yeah. do the thing, and then, and it's just been awesome. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't be happier. It's almost it's so weird. Like I don't have any more goals. I have no more career goals. Like I'm doing exactly what I want to do. So I don't know what else to do. Just waiting so for just, the space junk to fall in your yeah, head. Yeah. Like every night I go to bed, I'm like, oh, thank you for this great day. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I have it's funny. I have this conversation with my employees a lot, um, and I've, I've always had this conversation with my coworkers where, you know, I have to every once in a while I have to stop. And say and tell them like you know I know that like a job's a job I know we all get you know miserable doing things I know we all have bad days but every once in a while just kind of like look at what you get to do and that's you know and it's, it doesn't sound like you have have this have this issue at, at all but um, you know just like I don't like I don't know what you do I don't know what you do when you get to the point where a job like a great job just becomes a job you know it sounds like you haven't really had that issue up to no, this point. well I think it's up to you when you're doing some creative or you're writing it's up to the person I'm always trying to set up like challenges for myself you know and I think the earliest that I ever realized that was when I did the book two sisters this graphic novel I did years ago with top shelf was like I started that book I'm like oh, I'm gonna try to do a book where there's no captions and there's no scene cuts and it's just like a continuous story that goes from beginning to end and from cover to cover so that even the back covers every single part of it is part of the story but it it was just and at the time I'm like oh let's see if that works and I think that that's at least the key to me is to stay interested in a thing like if I start to feel like I'm getting bored I'm like okay well I got to figure out some challenge or like some hurdle or something let's try this can we get this to work you know like I felt like mind management was like that too where like every issue I was like boy I could just do 24 pages and push the story along but then that's so boring after you do that for 12 issues you prove that you can do it like what do I that seems too easy (laughs) you know so let's let's do stuff with back covers let's do things interlock let's do some weird thing that stuff that no one's going to notice but me you know or maybe like 10 years from now hopefully somebody will will do like a write a paper on it and like yeah. see all the weird stuff that I did in this thing. Then you'll get your then yeah you'll yeah get your finally. And it, it's yeah. A, but it was, all of that was for me to just yeah to stay like motivated and s- to stay engaged in the project. You know, and everything's like that. If you do it long enough, mm-hmm. there's a danger of it getting boring, or yeah. you just start to like churn it out, or it's like oh okay, I see the formula and and do that. And I just try not to. As soon as I sense a formula, I'm like okay, we can't do that. Yeah, <laughs> let's do something else. Yeah. 
it makes it makes for a more engaging story when you throw a wrench in it every every yeah so yeah it just I mean it provides tons of headaches yeah you know there's a ninjack right now you think would be like the most kind of straightforward easy thing to write yeah. and it was like I created this two year tapestry that's like a tangled convoluted thing that is really hard to write <laughs> you know but it's fun like I told my editor I was like I I'd rather do this I'd rather be hard than just like yeah. turn out like an action comic every month you know let's make it. Let's make it hard because it's more interesting. <laughs> how, how far ahead are you thinking when you're working on a series? Uh, it just it depends. Like when I started Rye, I had like a two-year plan, and then what happens is you get done with the first year, and so then I've got notes and I have sure. plans for like the next year. So it's I'm, it's almost like two years ahead of time. The yeah, year. yeah. And things shift around, yeah. and then like things happen in the company that present new ideas. I'm like, oh, well, like Shadow Man's coming up in in uh, in Jack, and that was. I had an idea for Ninja. It didn't involve Shadow Man, but then when he be, sort of became available and it seemed like a thing that would be neat to do, I was like, "Oh well, he'll fold right into this thing I'd already planned. Let's do that." So there's always room, wiggle room, to add things or change things. But I, I don't know. I feel like I like having, I like seeding things early. Like I don't like stories where yeah. like the ending comes up and you're like, "Oh, sure, you, you could have, you could have figured that out last month, you know, and yeah. just decided to write it." I like. I like being sort of tied to an ending that is tied to the very first issue. And so there's things in there. And being able to go back and reread it and, yeah, and yeah. find those, so that, those hints. Yeah, and, and the part of it is like, I think it makes it a, a richer experience. Yeah. The other part is like, I like seeing things in the first issue to prove that, like, look, I did. Yeah. There's no way I put I that in there without knowing time. it. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> did, did, you, did you see yourself early on as being more of a writer-artist of, of, you know, of, of kind of working both sides of the table? No, I th honestly, when I started, I was just doing graphic novels. I'm writing and drawing them on my own. Yeah. And then uh, I was like, well, I'll just do this as long as I can. And then I always joked to my wife that writing would be like my retirement plan. Like when I'm too old to draw and yeah. I can't, my, you know, writing is easy. I can lay in bed and do it. You know, I don't have to be fit at all. I could just be the big slug sure. and like <laughs> be lay there all day. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, that was my retirement plan. And then uh, and I just started doing, I was trying to think of my first... I think DC, DC called me up. Uh, I in some interview I had mentioned like Alan Scott, one of the old Green Lanterns, in a, in an interview and or no, I had named a character in Two Sisters, the graphic novel Alan Scott, uh, as like a little yeah, funny homage. reference yeah. to me. I'm like, oh, that'll be funny. No one will know. Apparently, people like Green Lanterns. <laughs> they they, yeah, were, they saw it, but they called me and asked me to do something, and I was like, oh, okay. And, and so I wrote a few things, and I kind of liked it, and. But I never sought it out. It was always a thing that I always like to write and draw. Like I, I love having total control, you know. Yeah. But then when I was writing, I'm like, oh, there's there's something kind of fun about building a script, sending it off, and seeing what comes back, you know. And and so that was fun. And then I just sort of got sucked into writing, mm. and realized I kind of like that, and it was, it was fun, and I could get a lot more stories out of sure. me, because I feel like the other part of my career is sort of racing the clock. You know, I'm trying to get all these stories out yeah. before I die, and you know, my wife hates it when I say that. I'm yeah. like, I'm not, I'm not it's even kidding. Morbid. Like, I, yeah. if you see my list, there's no way I'll get through it. There's no way. Do you have? Because like I keep a, adding, yeah, and I keep adding to it. Like, how I have many? Like, like roughly? I'm, at uh, this point, it's like pages. It's like wow. word document pages. Sometimes it's just a line. Sometimes it's like a whole page or a wow. paragraph. Yeah. Or it's just like a, it's never ending. You know, so I'm like, I'll never get done. And now I've come to grips with it. <laughs> so now it's just a matter of like choosing. I'm like, okay, sure. what is the thing that? Is the most interesting to me right now, you know, and, and uh, but yeah, so I don't, I don't see myself as a writer artist. I, 
I see myself as like I don't know. I feel like even their drawing is incidental. You know, it's hmm. writing writing comics is sort of it's hard to divorce the writing from the art. Yeah. You know, and and it happens, and I think it's kind of unnatural. Yeah. For that to happen, uh, so I work especially now with Valiant. I have a little more freedom, and like I can call up my artists and be like, hey. I was like, here's what we're doing, you yeah. know, and like, do you have any, you know, if you got ideas, let me know. If there's anything you'd like to draw, let me know. Just, especially with Rye, Clayton Crane has been like essential to that series, like the visuals and a lot of that stuff is stuff that I know he loves to draw or things that he's told me he wants or thing, ideas he's had as he's been reading the script, you know. And so we fold all that in there and it's, it's such a better creative process mm -hmm. to be working with an artist, not in like a, okay, I'm done, now it's your turn more of a like uh, hey this is what we're going to do and sort of like a more organic working experience which is I think it's hard to find that in yeah in work for hire stuff but I think Valiant is like a great home that allows that ha to happen so. do, do you th do you think that your scripts are more visual than people who are just writers just for on the strength that like you are you are a visual artist that that you have actually drawn these books? Yeah, honestly, I, I really do. I think that helps me, and I think it helps the final product come out better because I know when I'm writing it. Like if I had to draw it, like I'm picturing the page. Yeah. You know, as I'm writing, and I used to thumbnail everything and then script off my thumbnails, and that just not show the thumbnails to anybody. And then I got to the point where I'm like, okay, I, I don't need to. Yeah. That's a step I don't days. need. I can yeah. picture it in my head and yeah. I get it. You know. Uh, but I think that helps. And when I did, I used to teach that class, you know, I would, it was a writing, it was like a comic book writing class. And I was like, I don't, everybody's going to draw, you're going to draw at least draw eight pages off of your script that you write. So you're going to write a script before you're taught anything and you're going to draw it. And then you're going to write another script later and then and redraw it after you've learned how to write a script. And, yeah. And like having to draw your own horrible script or whatever that as like a guy walking across the room taking his hat off and talking and also shaking your hand yeah. all that stuff that cures all of that immediately as soon as you have to draw it so even if it you're drawing you stick figures to, to artists oh yeah it just <laughs> is like you you have to you have to understand what comics can do and like what yeah. is what can be shown you know with drawings which is you know but i think the flip side of that is over explaining you know like i don't write like yeah alan moore descriptions of you rooms you know it's like it's like i don't then it's not a collaboration anymore yeah. you're just a production artist I mean, you know, must, it, it was probably pretty clear early on that your drawing style wouldn't quite work for a lot of the stuff that you're doing now. That you know, certainly like probably wouldn't quite fit the tone of, of the Valiant books and you know some of the Dark Horse stuff. Yeah, yeah, and it was never my intent. You know, yeah. like I never wanted to, and I never sought it out. And and uh, and there's plenty of that out there. I, c I don't need to. And that's the thing, like I went to art school and I sort of, I could draw and I can paint and I could do everything, but I chose a style that I, that I would like to see, you know, it goes back to that thing, like what kind of comic do I want to yeah. read? Well, this, I'm drawing the kind that I'd like to see, you yeah. know, so it's a, uh, it's interesting and, and it's, I think there's a, sometimes a disconnect when people grow up reading a certain kind of comic, yeah. you know, and then to make that sort of visual jump to something that's not a mainstream style is hard, you know, and I made that jump. Like I was, I grew up reading Marvel in the eighties yeah. and through the nineties. And then, uh, I'm trying to think of what I, I, I think like eight ball, Dan Claus's eight ball was sort of my gateway sure. to like stuff that wasn't mainstream, yeah. but even his style 
it yeah. was yeah. it was still it was just a retro mainstream style yeah. like it was it was from like older comics you know that he was sort of tapping into but then from there you know he just i loved uh i'm trying to think Kaz and a lot of those Peter underground Baggy, guys and yeah. Peter Baggy, yeah. all that stuff. I was reading all that. I'm really loving it. Just like the mark making and all the, yeah, all that stuff is, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's like you, and you get to a certain point. And I have this discussion with my wife all the time where people sometimes the art, my art is sometimes an obstacle for getting those people over there. And I get it, but I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not doing it different. I'm like, people need to like make that make that jump and make that shift and like take yeah. those whatever steps you need to take to get to that point yeah. you get to that point eventually you know and and uh and then the beauty of it is things start to click and then you're like oh it's not it's like that's the drawing style is integral to the to the story you know sure. and like if it was drawn in a different way it wouldn't be the same book you know and so well, i think that some people eventually either either evolve and get it or you don't and that's yeah. fine too <laughs> but, I, but I think it's one of the things that made Super Spy such an interesting book is that it was you know kind of this like detective like noir theme but drawn in a style that isn't necessarily the style most people would have thought of using like there, there is you know I don't know if disconnect is the right word but you know it's certainly not the first thing you think of when you think of like a noir spy book and I think that's what in the end, that's what made it work. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I'm probably too close to the, a lot of this stuff to even talk about it. You know, like art is weird, you know, because <laughs> I'm so close to it. It's like I can't really tell. But I know that that is like I can picture like if you look, go back and look at my management, you picture it drawn like, I don't know, whatever. What was there's another book that came out. Uh, what was it? Mind the Gap came out. And, yeah. and a lot of people early got that confused. I'm like, I don't know how you get those two books confused. Yeah. It's such a clean style and it's computer color and everything is it's so different, you know. But if I picture that, my book drawn like that, it's not the same book at all, you know. It's, and, uh, uh, and it's nothing to do with the art. I mean, the art's fine for that book, you know. And, and, uh, and I don't know. I, think, I feel like the art does inform how you're going to perceive the story, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Do you... Do, do you do you want to go back to that from time to time? You know, would you like to try to just really like build another book from the ground up and and work every aspect of it? Do the kind of a tour approach? Like a graphic novel, you mean? Yeah, and, and write write and draw and. Yeah, I mean, I'm doing. Uh, well, I don't know. I I really love doing monthly serialized stuff. Yeah. So my next, I'm doing another book with Dark Horse called Department H. It's coming out next year. I'll be writing and drawing again, and uh, but I really love the monthly format. I feel like it's it makes sense from like a business standpoint to do yeah. that just like which is super boring to talk about it that way but at the same time I love the creative part of having to come up with a cover every month yeah and come up with a piece of a, a bigger story that works on its own but is also part of a bigger thing you know and I feel like that's a huge creative challenge that a, a lot of people aren't I don't know if they're not aware of it or they don't th really think about it, but it's kind of overwhelming. Like, <laughs> how do I do 22 pages of a yeah. of a 600-page story and make that 22 pages, like, you feel kind of satisfied. Like, that's it's almost an impossible task, you know? And so that's there's, that challenge is still there for me, I think. So I, yeah. I kind of like doing that. But I'm not against doing a graphic novel again, but I just, I don't know. It's a format that doesn't really, I feel like I've done I've done those for so long. Mm. It's not as hard to do those. Yeah. And I feel like monthly comics is way harder. <laughs> well, it, 
Yeah, it, it is, but also, you know, like, and very pragmatically, one of the, I assume one of the nice things about doing it, doing it and this is speaking as somebody who's, like, a blogger, um, is, is that, you know, obviously deadlines are very motivating. Yeah, I never had that problem. You can talk to my <laughs> wife. I never had that problem. Yeah. And she's always like, yeah, you, even when I did a month a book, it would take me a year to do it. I was keeping, like, crazy deadlines yeah. to get it done. And my wife's like, why are you doing that? They're, it's not yeah. due until... And then even then, it's not really a hard due day. Like, you get it done when you get it done. Sure. I'm like, even if they're arbitrary deadlines, they're still, you know, setting a point that yeah. you can't cross. Yeah, it's and it's... I just feel like I, I like enjoy the structure. I like having, yeah. like, a, I don't know sort of a routine that I go through and everything and I help it helps make it better like yeah. I I remember in Super Spy I was doing that weekly online and doing like basically eight pages a week finished finished story every week for a year I think I took a few, a few weeks off here and there uh, but it taught me until you push through that until you've drawn or written a comic that when you don't feel like drawing it or writing it you haven't really you haven't really figured out how far you can go or how yeah. creative you can get because like I remember sitting there, I'm like, man, drawing, inking this right now is the last thing on earth I want to do. Yeah. I've inked so many pages, I'm sick of it. I'm kind of burned out, and then forcing yourself to sit down and do it anyway. But then, not just hurry up and get done, but like, I would actually go slower than I'm like, all right, I'm really. There's almost a, there's a masochism to it, <laughs> where it's like, I'm gonna make myself really take my time and make this page even better because I don't want to do it. Yeah. And so there's a weird mental thing there where. I don't, I don't necessarily enjoy it, but I feel like it made me better having done it, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, guess, I, guess, what, I guess what deadlines, you know, aside from, obviously, you, you don't have the issue of, um, of getting stuff out of time, but I, I think yeah. what, they, what they do afford you, though, is um, they make sure that you don't get super precious about things, that you don't become yeah. you know, hyper-perfectionist, that you, you, you push things out in the world. Yeah, 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 and, uh, no, because you... Man, you could do that, and that's the danger of graphic novels is you sit around and you're thinking about this thing for a whole year, or with a monthly book, you're thinking about the whole thing generally the whole time, but then every, every month you're just thinking about that little piece. Uh, yeah, and it definitely doesn't it doesn't make you precious about anything. I know artists like that too, where it's like, come on, you're, you, and you end up just killing the life of yeah. it. You know, whether it could be as simple as like a good drawing that you keep redrawing and redrawing to get it right, but then you've killed all the life out of it where... Like it's like oh that pen, those pencils look so great and yeah. what happened yeah yeah because <laughs> you yeah. worked all week on it and now look at it <laughs> it's it's worse than it was like if you just like cranked it out you know yeah. and uh and I think that was when I was in art school that was I had a printmaking class and I'm sure I've told this story or it's said in interviews before yeah, but it, it's burned in my podcast. brain yeah it's burned into my brain because he I, I hated printmaking I hated the mess of it and the the process I hated all of it you know but the but it was I probably learned more in that class about about making art and it, he's just like you it's it's like movement and production were the two things he's stressing over and over again he's like movement and production keep moving keep printing it out and it's like the the printmaking process was like that where you you have this plate and then you ink it a different way and you run a bunch of them and then ink it a different way and run a bunch more and then like one or two are kind of neat you know and and then you ink it a different way and you just and then by doing it, you're you're getting good stuff or whatever. But you you're not just like spending time on one and inking it really slowly, putting it through there and hoping it works. You know, you're just you're by doing a lot, you're getting better and you're learning and you're you're getting to a spot that you don't get if you're just like laboring over one thing yeah. for a long time. You know, and I feel like comics is that way where I just 
uh, I've tried to slow down and I've tried to like spend a ton of time on one page or like or like labor over a story for like a while I'm writing it and it doesn't get better you know like the story at a certain point a story, it's as good as it's gonna get yeah. a drawing is as good as it's gonna be and then eventually you're just gonna kill it you know so if you can do it and keep it fresh and then finding sort of that sweet spot where you're you're not just like hacking it out yeah. but you're not like overworking it and I think that's what the movement in production is about is like finding out where where that sweet spot is where you're you're working fast enough but not too fast and and uh and uh and then you end up with better stuff i think it's, it's i've i've noticed this just kind of like across the boards a board with uh with with cartoonists you know the um attention copy attendees with a decent ball please report the information booth decent ball please go to the information you know the, the people whose whose work looks kind of like stylistically rough wish they could be more polished and the people whose stuff looks really polished wish they could be more spontaneous you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, nobody's really happy with how their artwork work looks but yeah. you know I, I, I always tell this, this is, it's not even a story but I, I always talk this always comes up over and over again on the podcast because it's really stuck with me I you know I think about um, I was reading a Chris Ware's uh, diary comic and there's just like a little like scribble on <laughs> it's a very it's a very like uh, masochistic book because he's a very masochistic guy yeah, yeah. and you know one page he just says I wish I could draw like Gary Panter <laughs> And it's you yeah, know, yeah. And, you, and you think about him as being like you know in a lot of ways like Chris Ware is one of the great artists, and all he wishes out of this world is that he could look a little more spontaneous with his work. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. I think you, everybody struggles with it. Well, that's the thing. If you're drawing, you have a picture in your mind of what you want it to be, and wh whatever it ends up being on the page is a failure. Like it yeah. doesn't look like what was in your yeah. head. Like it, it, always, you know, like yeah. from early on, I remember trying to find my style and like oh, I want it to be like this or that. And then what comes out, I'm like, oh my god, that's nothing like what I wanted. But then it ends up eventually, you end up, it's like handwriting, you know? Like, you're not yeah. gonna, you can't really change your handwriting. That's like your personality and how you work and what you do and your habits. All of that is gonna dictate what your style ends up being or what you're able to do. And you just gotta live with it. <laughs> yeah, the, um, I, I interviewed an artist today, and, and I'm gonna butcher what he said, but, you know, basically what it come that came down to was something along the lines of, um, style style is the mistakes that you want to keep yeah 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 well that's the other thing too but if you look back at anything you're going to hate what you do if no. you're if you're getting better you're if you uh, if you're getting better you hate what you did yeah a week ago yeah you really hate what you did a year ago and you can't, don't even look at what you yeah. did like 10 years ago maybe, <laughs> you, know? you know maybe that means you're evolving maybe it means yeah you're it does it does something. it does because i when i used to teach too it was great because none of the kids they hated what they did I'm like well it's good you should hate it like, like should, that's what drives you like hating what you do now should drive you to be better tomorrow you know so the best message you can impart <laughs> on somebody as an art teacher yeah. great that you hate yourself well that's what I don't know any artist that, that is yeah. like oh I love look at this thing I did I love it yeah. you may right after you're done with it yeah. I've done that before I'm like yeah, yeah, yeah. oh it's good I really nailed it and then the next sure. day it's like hmm <laughs> it's, like, it's like you know it's like uh, listening to your voice or like seeing a picture of yourself on Facebook like yeah, yeah. I can't believe that's <laughs> right. that's what I it is like. but it is what it is you yeah. know and I don't I don't watch uh, or listen to interviews with myself yeah. anymore I just yeah. don't
There you go. That was Matt Kent. I know that I said a couple of weeks ago that we were done with the interviews from Baltimore Comic-Con, but it, it, it turned out that uh, there were one or two more stragglers. I'm pretty sure that this is the final one. I uh, really enjoyed it. Thanks to, to Matt for taking the time to do that. Uh, Matt, uh, so, so you know, you may remember a few months ago when we were doing all the interviews through from, uh, from San Diego Comic-Con that the way that I had gotten a lot of these interviews, I, I, had, I had gone for my day job and, you know, they, when, when we write about comics over there, it's generally about the more mainstream like Marvel and DC books. And um, I, was, I was a little bit worried, you know, I got all the way to San Diego and uh, thought that I might not be able to actually like find a ton of people for these books to write about. But it turned out that all of these folks that I had interviewed over the years for um, – for for uh, indie comics site like sites like uh, like my daily crosshatch uh, are are now going on and doing a lot of these bigger books and, and Matt is Matt is uh, one of them you know he did the really terrific book uh, Super Spy many years ago for Top Shelf um, and is now he's he's working on like five different series for Valiant and he's done a bunch of stuff for for Dark Horse and, and DC. Um, so, uh, thank you so much him for taking the time to do that. I highly recommend. He's a really terrific writer. Highly recommend his stuff. Uh, thanks to Brian as always for. Oh wait, no, wait, wait, no. I'm editing the show this week. <laughs> thanks to Brian for doing a much better job with all the other episodes than than I was certainly able to do editing this thing together. Uh, thanks to uh, everybody at the Boing Boing Podcast Network. If you like the show, many other fine podcasts to check out over at boingboing.net. Uh, and over at iTunes, and while you're over at iTunes, you should take the, the chance to rate the show. If you liked what you heard, uh, if you've got any feedback, it's rolcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Tumblr. That's rolcast.tumblr.com. That is the first and the best place to get all of your R-I-Y-L-related information. Like us on Facebook. And uh, that's about all I got for this week, so uh, stick around. We'll be back in a few days with uh, another episode of R-I-Y-L.